we're going to get, we're going to finish the book this afternoon. It wasn't uh, what I originally had planned, but after studying uh, the lessons, to me, they were going to start getting kind of redundant. Uh, if you have, or the Bibles in the pews don't have these uh, headings, but if you have an e-sword on your phone or something, I would like you to pull that out real quick, and I'll, I'll, this will kind of explain uh, the reason I'm approaching this in this manner. Uh, we get in there in verse uh, chapter number 4 of Hosea, and the, the heading on there says, The Lord accuses Israel. And then you go on to 5, it says, The punishment coming for Israel and Judah. 6, Israel and Judah are unrepented. Uh, chapter 8, Israel will reap the whirlwind. The Lord will punish Israel. And it goes on uh, through the rest of the book. And just uh, chapter 13, the Lord's relentless judgment to Israel. So it's kind of a, it, it, it's kind of the same thing over and over again about how far uh, the nation of Israel has gotten, and it brings in Judah into this as well. These in these uh, these last ver- uh, chapters, and for the most part, in chapters one through three, we see Hosea in his marriage to Gomer. She's a, a woman of whoredom, and so we see that uh, that shadowing of that looking at the rest of the book this way. How. Hosea represents God in the scenario, and Gomer represents the children of Israel or the nation of Israel. And so we see this unrepenting, not faithful. Uh, Hosea goes and gets Gomer back, and, and like uh, our Heavenly Father always returns to the, to the children of Israel. You know, always going back to them, pleading for them to come back to Him. And, and they do not. And. Uh, these chapters are not necessarily in any type of order. Uh, Hosea, like mentioned before, Hosea did prophesy for about 50 years before the Syrians came and took them away. So we're going to kind of, uh, I'm going to be kind of like the sportscast late Sunday night. We're going to hit the highlights of all the games that happened, and we're going to hit the highlights of all these chapters and, and go from there, and, and I'm going to move on to a different topic. So let's begin there in chapter 4. It says, Hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord, O children of Israel, for the Lord hath controversy with the inhabitants of the land. There is no faithfulness or steadfast love and no knowledge of God in the land. So we start out with this this key word in verse number 1 being the word controversy. Now, Brawen and I, as a married couple of 17 years, we have a controversy every once in a while. We don't necessarily agree on everything. But that's not what this word is. This word controversy is, I, I, you, we need to think of it more as like the going to the like Supreme Court level. Um, this is a capital offense punishable by death is what it is. That's, that's what this controversy is that, that God has with the nation of Israel. He says, for one, there is no faithfulness. There is no steadfast love. There is no knowledge of God in the land. But what is there? He 
verse number two, he says there is, there, is faith, there is swearing, lying, murder, stealing, adultery, breaking of bonds, and lots of bloodshed. So this is, this is the, the accusation against, against the nation of Israel, and the rest of this book addresses that controversy that God has with them. Uh, I want to spend a little bit of time before we go much further uh, said in, the, in verse number 4 it says let no one contend and let none accuse for with you is my contention so there is not anybody that is innocent in this scenario the whole nation is guilty of, of all these things that God has against them except for Hosea. I mean, even, even Hosea's own wife is, is guilty of being a war, woman of whoredom and not being faithful to her husband. Another highlight that we need to look at in uh, verse, uh, chapter 4, uh, there in verse number 6, it says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I reject you from being a priest to me. And since you have forgotten the law of your God, I also forget your children. You know, we, this lack of knowledge, there are, uh, there are over 200 different Christian denominations in the United States. They're close to, I think, uh, according to Google, about 45,000 in the world. We only have one Bible. I mean, you know, there's one God. There's one Jesus Christ who died for the remi- so we could have remission for our sins. So why is there so many different denominations out there? I would say it's because there's lack of knowledge. Israel at this time had completely forgotten God. They they don't they don't worship Him. They don't make sacrifices to God they do make sacrifices to other gods but to the one true God they don't even have knowledge of where to begin Proverbs chapter 1 verse number 7 says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge but fools despise wisdom and instruction as a Christian we need to seek out the truth we need to seek out the knowledge I mean, can we, can we tell right from wrong? In our day-to-day life, can we, can we honestly go and, and see something happen or, or have the Word of God dictate our actions throughout the day? We can. We can through the knowledge of the Word that is given to us. Book of Proverbs, chapter 2. Uh, begin there, verse number so is this in verse number one of chapter two says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, and make your ear attentive to wisdom, and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. If you seek it a little silver and search it and search for it as for hidden measure, 
hidden treasure, then you will, you will understand the fear of the Lord. Do you fear God enough to know His commandments? Do you fear God enough to, to understand these are the things not only that I do not need to do with my life, but here are a list of things that, that God commands me to do. You see, lack of either one of them is still sin. If you commit the things, if you do the things that you're not supposed to, or you don't do the things that you're supposed to, it's all sin in God's eyes. We must have a, a good knowledge and understanding of God's will and being his children. Skipping on down to verse number 12 of chapter 4, it says, My people inquire of a piece of wood, and their walking staffs gives them oracles, for a spirit of whoredoms has led them astray, and they have left their God to play the whore. They sacrifice on top of mountains and, under, and burn offerings on the hills, under oaks, popular in Terabith, because their shade is good. You know, here, here we have Israel just doing whatever is pleasing to them and into their eyes, whatever's comfortable. Are you comfortable here today? You know, there's a whole group of re- people out there that, that call themselves Christians that are there for comfort. You know, they're, they're there for worldly, uh, worldly means. You know, if you run with the right group of crowd, and let's, let's turn to politics real quick, you learn with the, run with the right group of people, it'll get you places. I mean, we know that to be true. There's a whole group of people that go to church in this particular place to move themselves up in a, in a status. First thing I thought about whenever I saw that, my people inquired me of a piece of wood. It's kind of like arguing with a fence post. I assume Hosea was the one that, that coined that phrase. They found oracles from their walking sticks. I mean, I, whenever I first read that, I was like, okay, so I would say that the children of Israel are, are, are smoking something and they're relaxing underneath trees. That's, I mean, that's what it sounds like to me. It sounds crazy to think that the children of God would, would remove themselves so far from him. But they did, and that's one of the reasons that, that Hosea is writing this whole book. Because there's a whole group of people that removed themselves from God. They took something that they used to do and they completely twisted it and turned it into something that it was never meant to be, to worship gods that, that do not even exist. I want to skip over and go into chapter 6. Verses number 6 and 7 says, For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. But like Adam... They transgress the covenant. Let's talk a little bit about our, our sacrifice in just a moment. Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 15, he says, Let us offer a sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Why are you here? Is it out of habit? 
the words that you say and the songs that you sing, do you remember them? Do they lift you up? Do you realize what you're saying, what's coming out of your mouth? We have, we have a tendency to, to do something long enough, we start going through the motions. I mean, I can saddle a horse and, and, and ride pastures and not even really think about what I'm doing. I've done it so many times. Is your worship here on Sunday, is it just kind of one of them things that gets kind of redundant to you? Or do you really hear the words that you're saying? The actions that you do? Do your words have love in them? Does your words have a sense of of knowledge to them that you understand what you are saying and who you are worshiping? The children of Israel had neither one of these. They were burning offerings to something that they didn't even understand. Next, we're going to look at Hosea chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. It says, Israel is a luxuriant vine that yields its fruit. The more his fruit increased, the more altars he built. As his country improved, he improved his pillars. Their heart is false. Now they must bear their guilt. The Lord will break down their altars and destroy their pillars. These people started to love their worldly possessions. And they increased in them. They started to 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 build more and, and and put their stock in worldly things. Matthew six, nineteen and twenty says, Lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, where three thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. And the whole purpose of this is in the next verse. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I want to ask you this evening, where is your heart? Is it on worldly things? Is that where your treasure is? We have a a, a tendency as... uh, a sinful people that, you know, we put we put stock in material possessions. You know, I, I start to think that the the more money I have in the bank, the more money I have invested in different stocks, the safer I am. You know, if I can if I can build a ranch and put myself in the middle of it, the more land I have around me to keep myself away from my neighbors, the better off I am. You know, that's just kind of the hermit in me. You know, I mean, if I could surround myself with two sections. All the way around, not only will I not have any neighbors, but also will have more cattle and more horses, and I'll have more stock, and therefore I'll be wealthier. And I can find comfort in that very easily. But as the saying goes, never seen a cat, uh, never seen a hearse with a U-Haul behind it. And that's true. All these things that we accumulate throughout our lives, they do us absolutely no good. 
These earthly treasures are, they're nothing. The nation of Israel started, they put, started putting stock in those things. You know, tear down the barns, build bigger so they can hold more of their produce. Moving on to chapter 11, verse number says, says, For my people are bent on turning away from me. And they all, and though they call out to the Most High, he shall not raise them up at all. I believe in, uh, I believe in chapter 8. No, chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse number 16, this one kind of hit home. He called them a stubborn heifer. I don't know if you have ever messed with heifers before, but um, that was good. I mean, that's a good analogy. Uh, a country boy can can understand that one. They had stiff-necked people. No matter what they do, they just kept turning away from God. They were stubborn to the point of death. And believe it or not, I've been responsible for killing a heifer. She was stubborn. She wouldn't go the direction I wanted her to. I roped her. She got mad. She laid down. So I went to lunch. Left my rope on her. Just forget you. I'm done with you. Came back. She was dead. Had a heart attack. Died. Are you that stubborn? Are we going to kick against our Heavenly Father so hard that it costs us our eternal life? The children of Israel were. They're not going to do it will not follow him, will not follow his commandments. Ain't God in me, can't do it, won't do it. They're stubborn. I mean, you, you go back through the rest of this book. The rest of this book from Hosea back is almost packed full of the children of Israel following God for a couple of chapters, and then there's ten chapters of not. I mean, we look at the, the, the kingdom of Israel in the north, Judah in the south. Hosea is, I mean, he, he's up against the wall here. I mean, it's a mountain. Not a single king for the past umpteenth generations have served God. Not a single one. That's how stiff-necked they were. They were not going to do it. I'll serve this other God underneath this elm tree because it's more comfortable. Instead of doing what is right. Stubborn heifers. Remember that one. Get to the end of the book of Hosea. As you, as you go through here, and I, I encourage you to, 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 to read through this if, if you have the time. Uh, it talks about a, a, a tribe of Ephraim. That goes back to, to Joseph and his two sons. Uh, they will be destroyed. And that's how this book ends. I mean, not just them, but all of Israel, the Assyrians took them captive, and they never came back to God. I mean, they were, God got rid of them. I mean, he dispersed them throughout the land. I mean, there's still their generations that are out there to this day but none of them serve God. Chapter 14, verse number 9 says, Who, 
whoever is wise, let him understand these things. Whoever is discerning, let him know them. It's important as Christians that we understand and we grow in knowledge and in truth. If we don't grow, if, if I myself, if I do not grow as a Christian and I do not, you know, with knowledge and understanding, how am I ever going to teach my sons to grow in knowledge and understanding? One of, the, one of my pet peeves is being a hypocrite. And I, I, I got that from the military. I don't know, but I think more, maybe more of my parents at my start at a younger age. But I cannot stand to, to have somebody stand there and tell me to do something whenever they themselves are not willing to do it. That was one of the first things whenever I made sergeant in the military that my my commanding first sergeant told me, he says, don't ever make your soldiers do something that you yourself wouldn't do. We raid houses, the sergeant's the first one in the door. You lead by example. How can we as parents, as grandparents, ask something of our children that us ourselves are not willing to do? We have to grow in knowledge and understanding if we want this church to exist in any past tomorrow. Because unfortunately, our elders are going to die. And who do we have? Our evangelists, our deacons, gone. Who's going to be left? One of these days, I will not be here. Who will be left? Is this building going to be empty or is it going to be full? If we don't grow as Christians, it will fail. People will start to want to get more comfortable they're, wanting, they're going to want better shade. They're going to start seeking things in this, of this world if we don't keep that stuff out. And we're not going to be able to keep it out unless we grow in knowledge. If you would, grab a Bible and turn with me to the book of Psalms. Psalms chapter 19. Psalms chapter 19, verse number 7. One of my favorite songs. But it says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. The nation of Israel, the northern kingdom, they quit growing in knowledge. I mean, what are we? We're, from the time that that psalm was written, I think we're about six generations away from whenever Hosea started speaking. Six, seven, somewhere in there. A question that I asked whenever I first started this series, uh, I think David had to help me with the, with the question for me to get it out. 
How many generations of your family can you go back and say that they worship the Lord? Your parents, grandparents, great-grandparents? The Huff family, I can't go very far. The king on my mom's side, I can't. I still can't go back. I'm it. I'm the first. How many generations from you onward will be left as Christians? Your children, your grandchildren, great-grandchildren? Statistically, it will stop. And I'd say that most of it has to do with the knowledge. Their knowledge of the Word and God's will, it will stop. That concludes my lesson for this evening. I hope it's been beneficial to you in some way. I encourage you to get into the Word and to study as much as you possibly can. This world can take a lot from you, but it cannot take away your mind and your knowledge. Something that you'll carry with you for the rest of your life under normal circumstances.